This is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a five-part conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn on defining and building effective compliance programs. This podcast series is sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn. In this conversation, I'm joined by Michelle Goodseer. Michelle is a managing director at K2 Intelligence Finn and has 25 years of financial crime compliance experience, which includes fraud, risk management, anti-bribery and corruption, corporate security investigation, sanctions, and AML program experience working with financial services industries and the U.S. government. She is a strong compliance professional with a focus on compliance program building, operations, analytics, and business intelligence. Prior to her role at K2 Intelligence Finn, Michelle served as managing director and global head of anti-bribery, corruption, and fraud for a European bank, where she was responsible for enterprise risk, bribery and corruption, fraud risk management, investigations, and whistleblower programs. Joining Michelle is Gail Fuller. Gail is the vice president at K2 Intelligence Finn. Gail focuses on developing, refining, and implementing K2 Intelligence Finn's quantitative and qualitative risk rating tools. She leads engagements focused on helping Finn's customers, jurisdictional and private clients understand their exposure to financial crimes risk and develop and implement strategies to mitigate those risks. Prior to joining K2 Intelligence Finn, Gail spent eight years in federal government service focusing on combating illicit finance. In her most recent position at the Treasury Department, she deepened her experience in topics such as global AML, CFT standards, illicit financial topologies, global sanctions regimes, and intersection between illicit finance and national security threats. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Goodsir, and we take up some of the biggest issues in compliance today. This is Tom Fox, and I'm extraordinarily pleased to start our five-part conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn on defining and building effective compliance programs. Today, we begin with Michelle Goodsir on some of the biggest challenges in compliance today. Hi, Tom. Thanks so much for having me. So, Michelle, uh, I'm really intrigued to learn what do you think are some of the biggest compliance issues facing banks uh, today? Sure. Happy to, to answer that. And, and most definitely, I would say at the mo- this very moment is the coronavirus, which, frankly, is just making the entire business environment much more challenging in so many ways. Compliance officers are struggling to keep their programs going keeping up with their alert volumes and their regulatory filings, and even more challenging, dealing with some of the emerging fraud scams that are coming out of of the coronavirus involving the government stimulus package, uh, personal protection equipment, and even phishing scams. And on top of this, banks are being told that they have to keep up with the regulatory requirements by their financial regulators. So the regulators have distributed various guidance to banks to help them through the situation and to make them aware of various types of fraud schemes that are out in the market right now. But at the same time, they're also very clear that the rules still apply. They haven't changed given the situation and that banks are required to keep up with their commitments and with their their compliance programs. And so the added challenge, I think, for financial institutions is that these compliance teams are now having to work remotely. So that means that they have to still collect information on their clients. They have to do the periodic reviews on their clients and make sure that they they still understand the risks associated with their relationships. And they still have to conduct transaction monitoring remotely. 
And this during a period when, quite frankly, a number of employees are, are likely to be out of the office due to, to illness or due to a family illness or have restrictions on their time because they're working from home and, and they're having to homeschool their children as well. So it's created much more complexity to, uh, I would say, a compliance infrastructure, which already is managing a number of challenges for an organization. And just to give you a statistic, LexisNexis recently published a survey towards the end of 2019 where they mentioned that the, the collective total cost of compliance is over $181 billion. And that's on a good day. So feed in or, or add on top of that a coronavirus type of pandemic, and you're looking at even a higher cost in order to, to keep your, your compliance program effective and running. We move from U.S. banks to global challenges, both for U.S. banks and banks outside the U.S. Uh, what do you see and how has the coronavirus and COVID-19 health crisis uh, driven uh, the issues uh, outward? So I think that there are commonalities across U.S. and global financial institutions or foreign banking institutions operating in the U.S. in terms of just the the day-to-day challenges that they face as compliance officers. I I do think, though, that there's added complexity when you you have an organization that's operating in multiple jurisdictions. So you have a foreign banking organization that is subject to the regulatory requirements of their home office location, in addition to those locations where they're operating branch networks, such as in New York, where you're under regulatory scrutiny of the Department of Financial Services and Federal Reserve and or the OCC. So these organizations have a bit more uh, of a significant challenge, I think, in order to address not only U.S. regulations, which are, are I think, probably one of the more strictest in the world. But if they're operating in other environments like the EU, they have the AML directive that they have to be mindful of or the payment services directive, too, around um, reporting potential fraud and making sure that the payments have proper protection subject to those regulations. And if you're working in the UK, you have, for example, the UK Bribery Act, which you have to be mindful of. So uh, more nuance around the regulatory requirements if you're a global institution versus if you're operating solely within within the United States. I think aside from the, the regulations themselves, I think there's been some consistency in the way that the regulators focus on AML and sanctions and their continued focus on these two types of financial crime risks globally across the board. And I'd say there's even heightened attention on culture and conduct, particularly on the back of some of the the LIBOR scandals and other enforcement actions that you've seen when banks have been acting as bad actors within the market. I'd say as a compliance officer, um, managing a compliance program, whether you're operating in a, in a domestic institution or a, a global institution, you have that added stress of personal accountability. And so there, there's always that push-pull dynamic where you're concerned that you might not be doing enough from a regulatory standpoint. So you want to continue to make sure that you're, you're putting in the proper controls and, and being diligent and uh, applicably uh, instituting the the regulatory requirements, but then quite often and realistically, you're often facing day-to-day pressures from line staff to support business and to support revenue generation. So there's always that push-pull dynamic between uh, making sure you find the right balance and being mindful of the fact that you are personally accountable. And then you also have the the situation where you are, as a compliance officer, having to to manage in a a cost, often a cost-restrictive environment. And um, 
compliance is often seen as an overhead expense, typically have tighter budgets because you're not a revenue generating department. So you need to make sure as a compliance officer that you can stand up a proper control framework within a particular budget uh, and, and make sure that it's effective. And I'll, I'll just finalize uh, answering your question with, with one other point. And that's really around the use of technology, because technology is, from my perspective, critical to ensuring that you have a robust compliance program. And there's the, the added challenge of making sure that your technology is optimizing output and that your screening and your monitoring capabilities are performing to effectively manage an organization's risk. And that requires regularly upkeeping the systems, testing the systems, and that requires a lot of resources. And the technology itself is expensive to implement. So some firms are looking at artificial intelligence, for example, in order to, to more effectively have output that's more relevant to the risks that they're trying to manage, and in some cases actually reduce their costs around human capital and trying to automate some of the, at least the first level review processes. I would say, though, that while regulators are encouraging the use of technology at a practical level across the industry, I think some firms remain a little hesitant in order to do that if the rest of the industry isn't operating and using artificial intelligence at the same pace, because there's uncertainty as to how regulators will ultimately view um, some of the more advanced technology that's out in the market. So let me follow up on that last point by asking, in the age of coronavirus health crisis and the economic dislocation that we're experiencing, how can these organizations keep pace? Sure, I think that's a great question. And specific to the challenges with coronavirus today, I think that it's important for compliance managers to keep an eye on staff turnover and absenteeism because you need to make sure that you can keep your compliance program running to essentially the same standard as you would without a coronavirus uh, epidemic underway. So I think it's important for compliance teams to have crisis management plans. And and I think this is a, a bit of a unique concept, to be honest, because firms often have crisis management plans to manage their overall business and to make sure that they're still able to serve their clients. But it's, it's not often that you see a compliance team developing a crisis plan to, to keep the lights on during a, a crisis situation, whether it's a health crisis or, or something else. So I do think it's important that compliance managers think about this. And if they don't have it, uh, make sure that they do. So they have a backup plan if they do see significant staff turnover or absenteeism. And I'd also say, Tom, that I think considering managed services or engaging a third party to to add some additional support if your full-time staff are out of the office due to to illness or or for other reasons. And third-party providers can actually be very helpful in managing alerts that might be piling up because they're becoming backlogged and you don't have staff to, to process the alerts or even undertaking the due diligence reviews that are needed to keep your your KYC files current and your client information up to date. And I'll just give you another statistic. Thomson Reuters reported in their 2019 cost of compliance report, which came out at the end of 2019, that 28% of the firms actually outsource some or all of their compliance programs. And they do that either because they deem that there's a cost advantage in doing so, or they're looking for additional assurance of their compliance processes. So working with a third-party provider adds that additional layer of protection to make sure that the processes that they've set up are compliant with regulatory expectations. 
Another area where we've actually seen uh, this happening within uh, our own client base is with staff augmentation. Banks are looking for third party to, to just be their, their staff if they happen to see a surge of alert activity that, that needs to be addressed within a certain period. I think overall, just to kind of close out my thought on this question, that when you're in a, an environment where you're facing mounting cost pressures, which most compliance teams are, and everyone is essentially looking at a tightening economy, it's best to think about how you can take your existing resources and try to leverage them more broadly and look to see where compliance resources can support similar needs, whether it's for AML, sanctions, or, or even anti-bribery and corruption programs, if that happens to be part of a broader financial crime compliance program, and think about how you can take those resources and apply them more broadly. So I recently, Tom, uh, produced a, a webinar on how AML resources could be leveraged to support an anti-bribery and corruption compliance program, just to give you a, a, an example for your listeners. And there are a couple of tools that AML teams typically use to support what they do. That includes a case management tool, which can be used as a repository for logging advisory and uh, advisory decisions and, and conditions that an ABC team might be responsible for. So it can be used more broadly than uh, an investigative investigative tool, but it can be used to support advisory decisions. Data analytics can be used for monitoring purposes. Data analytics are typically used very broadly in compliance programs to develop metrics and reporting capabilities, but it can also actually be used for monitoring. And that's a very cost-effective way in order, to, in order to stand up a monitoring program. And then list and screening tools that are regularly used for AML and sanctions teams can be used to screen employees and third parties for ABC risks. So th these are just a couple of examples how tools can be let and resources can be leveraged more broadly in a time of crisis and in a time when compliance programs need to keep to the same standard, but they're in an even more challenging environment than usual. Michelle, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time today, but I hope our listeners will join us again for our next episode where we take up the topic of why compliance needs a seat at the table. I greatly look forward to continuing the conversation. Thank you. I do as well. I would like to thank you for joining this episode of my conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn, defining and building effective compliance programs. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode. This podcast series is sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn and is a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network.